Shooters, we have a good one for you today. We bring on the head men's basketball coach over at Kirkwood, Tim Sanquist. Uh, you may not be familiar with Tim, but uh, you're certainly familiar with the Kirkwood Eagles and the success that they've had as a program over there. And so it was a lot of fun to catch up with Tim. Uh, he's bounced around quite a bit, had several stops along the way. And so it was really cool to kind of connect with him and get his story on how he made it to Cedar Rapids and eventually Kirkwood. And then um, talk a little bit about his philosophy and how it's changed and who he's grown and learned from. Uh, really kind of get in the weeds a little bit talking about defense and rebounding and some of that fun stuff so we really hope you enjoy this one it's a lot of fun uh with that let's get into it shoot or shoot i was getting i was getting a lot of no letters and i kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team, but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. It's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can ball like I do. But my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. Well, Coach Sanquist, welcome to the Shooter's Touch. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to have you. We're excited to hear your story a little bit um, in your process and in which that got you to Kirkwood. Uh, but before we get there, how are things at home? Um, what's what's the dynamic like at home? What, what can you tell us a little bit uh, about home life for you? Uh, busy. I got a whole nother team at home uh, <laughs> that, uh, that uh, I'm in charge of. So we got um, my wife. Uh, stays home. We've got uh, three kids under the age of six. So we got a six-year-old girl, a three-year-old boy, a two-year-old girl, and then another one in July. So, oh, congrats! Uh, wow, yeah, thank you, thank you. So, uh, pretty busy, pretty busy when I uh, leave the office and and get home. But uh, are you are you are you going for that basketball team then, or what's the what's the plan here? No, no, I, no. I, I think uh, <laughs> I think there'll be some steps taken to make sure we don't have a starting five. So, there you go. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's great. Your so your ages are very similar. I got four. I got I, I do have a fourteen year old, and then I go six, three, and just turned two today. Um, and so I uh, I know what you're going through, and I uh, and I feel for you even more come uh, <laughs> come August. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. You guys are going to be busy. Um, but as I always say too, I mean, time flies and 10, 15 years yeah. down the road, Christmas time, and then everybody's back, you're going to be like, this is, this is awesome. And so, um, credit to you coach. And obviously knowing your schedule, um, from recruiting to in season stuff. Um, I don't know your wife, but I imagine she is a heck of a woman to be able to take all of that. <laughs> yeah. She, she's a real MVP. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know if she's. She might, she might be the one only person who, who secretly likes when our season ends because she gets, <laughs> she gets me home a little bit, a little bit more. So, yeah, it's nice. It's like, Hey, now you're on duty here. I've been, I've been holding it down. 
uh, right. for, for six months. You happen to you happen to choose to fall in love with the longest sport too, or what feels like the longest season anyway. Um, and so it's now it's your turn. But uh, speaking of that, I want to know a little bit growing up, where'd you grow up? Um, ultimately, what did sports uh, and uh, basketball and when did kind of the passion and love for basketball start to come into your life as a, as a youngster? Yeah, so I'm originally from Omaha, Nebraska. So um, it's tough. It's tough living around here in Cedar Rapids with with all these Hawkeyes. It's just <laughs> I've had I've had no rebuttal whatsoever. Uh, my four years here. Uh, so no, I, I grew up in Omaha. Um, dad was a mail carrier. Mom was a stay at home mom. Um, and, uh, you know, love of sports kind of came from an early age. Uh, we didn't have a lot growing up. I remember my first basketball hoop was uh, just really small. Might even been a cardboard backboard. I don't even know. But my dad had to make like a, a stand for it and put it out in the driveway. I remember shooting hoops on that when I was four, five, you know, six. Um, then, uh, you know, growing up you know, got into travel ball in grade school, uh, played a lot, played with, with a lot of friends up through really eighth grade and, and, uh, really only did that. I, I tried baseball once and broke my arm climbing a fence to get the baseball and never went back out for baseball the next year. Just, just kind of stuck with basketball and didn't really like to get hit. So I never really did football, you know? So, um, so I did basketball and that was kind of my love and, uh, just really loved the nuance of the game. I had some a great youth coach who um, really taught some really good motion concepts to some of us um, at an early age, and I think it really helped helped some of us who uh, not not me, but some some other guys that I played with uh, in youth went on to have some good college careers, etc. So, um, and then high school um, was an average player at best. wasn't uh, wasn't all state, anything like that. Um, but I knew I wanted to coach, uh, at the time I thought I wanted to teach history in high school and be a high school coach and, and teacher. Um, so that was kind of the route I went, uh, in college, didn't have a lot of offers in college, um, had some small school stuff I could have maybe done, but, uh, two of my best friends growing up were, were a great older than I was. So my senior year, they will, they won't went both down to Lincoln. Uh, so my senior year on weekends, I was going down, hanging out with them, going to Husker football games, you know, kind of like, this is kind of great. We didn't have a great senior year. Went down there, uh, missed it a lot. I actually got on, um, with Barry Collier as a manager down there for the Huskers. Uh, and then just kind of, kind of took off from there, but you know, uh, my, my parents were super supportive growing up. Um, they sacrificed a lot of time and money, uh, especially early on for me to play some some of the ball that I did and traveled to some of the tournaments. So grateful for them. Um, but it was really basketball was kind of that love that I don't know what drew me to it initially, uh, but it just, it just stuck. And, um, you know, I was one of those kids in grade school who lived for the March madness who just, you know, begged to take school off and I could watch it all 12 hours and never get bored and just glued to it. So it's been a passion of mine for a long time. And, and, and luckily now I get to, you know, work in a profession that allows me to, to, to be around it. 
Yeah, well, hearing that, you'll you'll fit in perfectly with this podcast. That uh, that just sounds sounds normal to us. Um, let's uh, I guess let's rewind a little bit here. So you mentioned that uh, in grade school or middle school, you started with um, uh, uh, with with I mean, a travel basketball. What did what did that look like uh, when you were doing that? Was that just kind of just around Omaha? Were you at, were you actually traveling out of state and stuff like that? What did that look like? So this was, I'll date myself. So I'm class of 03. So this is, you know, when I was growing up, it's not like what travel ball is now, you know, for, mm-hmm. for grade schoolers. So it was a lot more local. Um, I remember going all around Omaha, um, Council Bluffs. I think we went down to Lincoln a few times. Um, so, so pretty, pretty, you know, within a hundred mile radius. But, you know, I remember... I remember sixth grade, we played like close to 80 games and we were playing a lot. Um, and uh, a team that we had was just kind of, we were all basketball junkies. Like none of us in high school really, really played or excelled in any other sport but basketball. So it was kind of a unique group uh, that we had there. Um, Coach Morgan uh, was kind of the guy who, who coached us all through grade school and taught us really how to move without the basketball in an early age. And, and, um, I, I probably owe a lot to him uh, in just teaching me the game and, and kind of giving me a good foundation of, of basketball IQ, you know, and, um, you know, I was, I was certainly not a one-on-one player by any means, so I wasn't going to do any of that. But, um, so, you know, it, it was really good. I have a lot of fond memories uh, of, of those teams growing up through middle school uh, that I played on. Yeah. Well, again, you'll, um, I guess you fit in perfectly with us. We're, uh, you know, have somebody drive and kick it to you behind the three point line and make, uh, make those three points. But, um, uh, what, what high school did you go to? So I went, so I grew up in Ralston. Um, and, uh, the guys I played with growing up were, were all Ralston guys. And I actually ended up going to uh private school, uh, in Omaha. So I went to Omaha Christian growing up. So we were, um, Nebraska's classes are a little bit different. So we've got, uh, we got like a million less people, but we got more classes of high school sports. So, um, in my high school, small, we played eight man football. Uh, so we were probably, we were the equivalent of like a one, a, you know, probably here in Iowa. Um, so I had a 20 minute commute to high school. So it was a little different yeah. uh, in that aspect. So. Cool. How was the, um, I guess, how was the high school career on your high school team? Um, how was how, how, how was team record wise, first of all? And then, you know, you mentioned that you mentioned a couple of times that, you know, maybe travel basketball or your high school coach has been a big influence on, you know, um, actually learning basketball concepts, you know, go into that a little bit more, you know, what were some of those concepts that you learned from those coaches? Yeah. Especially grade school. Um, you know, he, he kept it so simple. He goes, Hey, he kind of taught us the spots of the floor, like where he wanted us and you guys said, Hey, if, if nobody's occupying one of those spots, somebody just go to the spot and just move. And, um, you know, that, that's is what I can remember is just, uh, constant movement and, um, you know, go, go to an occupy an open spot and, and share it. And in high school, we didn't have the great greatest teams. We, we had a pretty good couple classes ahead of me. Um, so my freshman year, that senior Senior junior class uh, were pretty good. Had a couple, had a couple guys go play GPAC um, off those teams. Um, and then uh, when I got up, um, kind of where I was at, our, our class fluctuated so much. We had kids, kids kind of in and out. Um, so we had, 
had, had my class kind of stuck together, I think we would have been pretty talented. We had some kids transfer out and go to some public schools. But uh, junior year, we were about 500. Uh, we were just okay. Uh, and then senior year, it was myself, uh, my other buddy, two seniors, and then uh, the rest of the starting five were all freshmen. So we were we were really young. Uh, I had the green light, which is which is fun. But <laughs> we didn't win as much as uh, I would have liked. Uh, we did make a nice run uh, in sectionals, and we're one one win away from state. So that was a nice nice little cap to it. Um, but not a not a ton of team success. Uh, but Mr. Thompson, my high school coach, uh, he uh, he actually came to one of our games when we played Iowa Western uh, this past season. It was nice to see him he was kind of I credit him with kind of getting me um you know interested of thinking about going down that teaching route uh he was a history teacher uh, I loved history growing up um I thought it'd be kind of fun just to teach history and uh coach high school hoops and you know now I can't imagine being in a classroom as much as he was you know teaching all day and then trying to go coach uh so <laughs> luckily lucky uh, the college route uh, chose me a little bit, but uh, a whole lot to those guys, you know, even though I didn't have a lot of success, uh, he made a big impact on me uh, and, and my love for it and encouraged me to pursue it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't trade it, you know, for anything. Uh, learned a lot and you gotta have a lot of resiliency uh, if you don't win a lot and still come out and, you know, know how to play hard and, and still give it, give it your best. So, well, I gotta give you, a, give you a credit, Coach. The fact that you had some idea even in high school of what you wanted to do is pretty impressive. I think yeah. about where I was at mentally in high school, I would have had no idea um, what it was. So the fact that you kind of knew that, hey, coaching's probably going to be the path, and I think that that's one of the things that you know a lot of athletes and a lot of people that love the game are so focused on the game that sometimes they aren't able to turn the page and think what's next. And by that point, it's like you started kind of sometimes are too far down the road. So the fact that you already had the gears turning um, and we're thinking, Hey, coaching, teaching, this might be the path I want to go. And then, so then uh, kind of the first step in that direction after you graduated from high school was you went and you did a student management manager position. Is that correct? Yeah. So I went down to Lincoln um, first year, just played rec. Uh, got on a pretty good rec team, had some good, good, good guys that I played with. And then my sophomore year got on as a manager uh, with the Huskers uh, when Barry Collier was still there um, and helped out quite a bit. And uh, I remember going, going to Allen Fieldhouse uh, with the team and, and experiencing the fog. And uh, I was a, uh, a secret Kansas Jayhawk fan at the time. And so that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, I had to hide that fact that game. Um, but just kind of seeing how those guys operate at a high level, um, you know, getting being around uh, Jake Mulheisen and Wes Wilkinson and uh, an Iowa guy, John Turek from Abe Lincoln. Yeah. You know, those guys who, are, who, are, who had really good careers, Jason DeRusso, uh, Alex Marich, uh, still talking, keep in touch with a few of them to this day. So I uh, did that for one year and then I, I transferred. Um, didn't have the greatest academic performance my first two years in college. Struggled a little bit, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so I have some empathies for some guys who, who get off to a rough start, you know, in college because it's a, it's a big adjustment and it certainly was for me. Uh, and then ended up um, at UNO, so um, at, at Omaha. So once I left Lincoln uh, is 
05, 06, I actually went back and helped uh, with my high school, helped Mr. Thompson coach there. Um, and then 06, 07, I got on as a student assistant with Darren Hansen um, and, and at Omaha when they were still Division II program over there. So, and then helped him for five years, uh, worked on my way up to GA and um, great experience there. Uh, he, he just unfortunately got let go a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that was a that was a rough day. Um, consider him one of my main mentors, uh, kind of coming up through this business. And it was there at UNO where I really kind of got thinking, well, maybe maybe I don't want to teach high school. Maybe college is, you know, what what I want to go potentially pursue. Um, so that was really great experience, you know, at, at Omaha. It, um, I lived in my parents' basement for a while and got some personal things sorted out and got back on track. And, and uh, it was good, a good experience for me all the way around, both, both personally and then um, academically and, and obviously professionally. Well, and, and obviously being on a staff uh, of that nature, you're, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to pick a lot up. Um, and then, you know, playing, being at the highest level with being in Nebraska too. Now, that would have been that would have been a Heinrich Collison Jayhawk team, right? About that time, that would have been. Was that old? Yeah. So, trying to think who they had. Um, that, that had to have been like because oh, because that was old three oh four ish, right? That would have been that would have been oh four oh five year. Okay. So, um, yeah. so I know Nebraska. Nebraska had a shot at the buzzer to either win or tie from the left wing, and they missed. Um. That's the only thing I remember from that game. Although, and in a visiting team locker room, was it about at eighty-five degrees <laughs> and just super cramped? That's probably, uh, probably yeah, that's right. yeah. But, yeah, that had to have been. I think that had to have been like a Boshi. That would have been like Boshi, Kenny Gregory. Um, yeah, I think it was right Heinrich. around there. Yeah, yeah, it had to have been pretty close. So, um, yeah, that's obviously obviously a team that uh, continued to progress and would have gone on. So, being right there at the buzzer, that had to have been a lot of fun. Um, and then, like you said, coming home, uh, a neat opportunity, working yourself up to be in that GA position. Uh, what was the, you know, spending so many years on staff, once you got to that GA position, what was your primary responsibility? I know a lot of times you kind of, you find a niche or you find something that either A, needs to be done or B, you're really good at. And hopefully sometimes they're the same thing. But what was your, what was your main responsibility as a GA then? So I was fortunate when I got there, um, you know, when you get to work on staff at a division two, they don't have near the support, you know, that a division one does. So what you get to do as a GA or even as a, as a student assistant is a lot more than what you would get to do, you know, at a division one school. So I was really fortunate that they gave me a lot of responsibilities uh, fairly early on. So I was even still doing scouts for them as a student assistant, even before I got a GA, I was um, had a handful of scouts that I was in charge of. So a um, couple of guys, I think that, um, took me under their wing. Um, you might know the name Seamus Buddy, um, who's the head coach at North Scott. So his brother, Jevin Buddy, uh, was the GA at the time when I got on as a student assistant. Uh, and Jevin uh, was was fantastic with me uh, in showing me and teaching me kind of the scouting world, you know, and how to, how to watch film, how to pick up on tendencies, um, how to recognize sets and get calls and, and things like that. And, and Jevin was a very uh, detail oriented uh, type of guy. And 
really learned a lot from him the first couple of years. And um, when I moved up to GA, um, scouting was kind of what I what I really loved and still love to this day. Um, just the X's and O's piece and that cat and mouse game of you and the other coach um, and the satisfaction of of almost knowing the entire playbook or knowing what they're going to run at, at certain times was was really rewarding. I, I like that. And so that was really a, a piece that I prided myself on when I got to the GA spot uh, of making sure um, I knew everything as much as I could about the other team. And this was back in the days of DVDs and ripping DVDs and burning them. And and it took a lot longer to get through being taped than it does now with Synergy. So, um, and uh, so again, just uh, uh, at the time, Todd Lawrenson, if you guys know that name, uh, he was on staff as well um, with us. We kind of had two guys in that, in that GA type of, of, of work so he, he did a lot of the travel still um and then i helped in all aspects with recruiting and, and scouting but um yeah it was a great experience you know we won two conference championships while i was there uh, we won the last ncc <laughs> um excuse me tournament championship uh before the dakotas went division one um and then uh won the miaa championship in our second year in that league got two trips to the NCAA tournament I was part of um, the winningest team in UNO history still to this day when I was there. So we had a lot of success, um, kind of saw what what it was like for a good team just to come in and handle business every day. You know, and that, that team that that won the most games, I, I remember like Coach Hanson really only had to get on him like three times all year. Like he lost, he just lost. And that's that's unheard of. You know, right. you just a group of guys who just come in and be that consistent in their approach uh, still still um i think about you know a lot and and hope hope i'm fortunate enough to coach a team like that someday you know no it speaks to those kids and the leadership too that they have when um you know when they're able to motivate and hold each, hold each other accountable uh to on why they're successful there's it's not by accident um if it's something that the coach only has to get after you three times and you win that many games it's for a reason and so uh after the after the time at uh you know then what uh what was the next step is that when um the the juco came knocking or where where did we go after that yeah so so when i when i graduated there uh in the summer of 2011 uh, i got my master's uh that's when they were making the jump to the to division one um kind of a mutual decision between you know myself and coach hansen and um we both knew I need to get some more recruiting experience. Uh, the, the Debo spot didn't pay much at all at the time. So um, I, I jumped to Juco, but, but during that whole summer, I was put through the ringer of this business and found out pretty quick how hard it is to get jobs. And um, yeah, it, it was all almost into August of not having anything and then not knowing what I was going to do, you know, knowing really kind of in, Oh, probably around April, May that I was going to move on and, you know, going, being so close to some other jobs, all JUCO, uh, and then finally got on at Southwestern Community College in Creston in our league, actually worked for Mike Holmes uh, for a year, uh, which was interesting because at the time at, at Omaha, uh, we, we were extremely fast paced. Um, we led the nation. Um, I think we were pretty in the top 10 in scoring one year, pressed almost 40 minutes a game. And then I go to work for Coach Holmes and he ran the chin. 
So uh, I never knew what the chin was. I never heard what the chin was. Uh, I said, you want guys to dribble to half court and then pat, like we're not, we're dribbling away from the rim now, you know, and learning the system and then having to coach the system at the same time, what was uh, really unique and, uh, but man, it, it was fun. And uh, I was there for one year, not even one year. I, I was there from August until April. And uh, a buddy of mine, uh, who, I, who I got to know from working camps all summer at UNO, uh, Nebraska guy, Kyle Campbell, he got the, the head job at Dodge City in the Jayhawk. Uh, and I went down with him to be his assistant down there for four years. But uh, I learned the chin. I, I, I have actually installed that uh, once and used it as like a, uh, a time killer back when the oh. shot clock was still 35. You know, it was like, like an ice play. Uh, but it was wild. Like the, the layups that we would get, it was, it just blew my mind, you know, and, uh, he, he introduced me to the pack line. Um, okay. so that's where, um, a good chunk of my defensive philosophy was formed from Mike because, um, and no offense to any of my former players that listen to this podcast that live in Des Moines, but we were not the most talented group of guys, uh, on that team, but we, we played teams in the fifties and sixties and it was due to just really coming from Mike, you know, in his, in his attitude and chip on his shoulder and having a sick, uh, sick pleasure in being the underdog, you know, um, just, uh, just being gritty and uh, learned a lot from him uh, defensively. Didn't take a lot of the offensive concepts from yeah. him, uh, but, but defensively uh, really learned, Hey, you can, you can not be very talented, but you can still be in games you know, with defense again, not that we didn't work on defense at Omaha, we worked on our press, but you know, um, you know, if we're outscoring teams in the nineties to the eighties, that's, that was great. You know, that was our philosophy with, with that. But, and then just completely doing a one eighty uh, yeah. was so unique. And then going to Dodge and we ran pack line too. So we were, we were true pack line of, of force and middle and things like that. And, and then uh, everybody else that worked for us since then was, was packed. So yeah. uh, I've gotten away from my, from the press frantic, uh, style of play and, and have uh, adopted uh, the pack line uh, defense. Um, so, but a, a lot of that was due to Mike. Pack line just feels a little like you can be a little more consistent with it. I mean, the concept. It's such a Midwest it. defense too. You know, it, it just is. just suits how we're made, right? Yep. It's, yep. it's so good. It is. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, it is something where, um, you know, allows you, like you said, allows you to be in every game. Um, and then it just kind of comes down to who can execute uh, on the other end. And if we're, we're shooting it well, then uh, then no, no problems uh, on that end. That's for sure. So uh, your time in the Jayhawk, uh, talk a little bit about this. I, admittedly, um, I don't know a ton about the Jayhawk other than um, what I saw on Last Chance You. Um, you're laughing. So you, you must've watched and knew a little bit too. Um, but after watching that, I mean, credit to those guys, that documentary series, I think we can all agree is really good. The basketball one, probably obviously my favorite, but, um, learned a lot about the Jayhawk and independence and Dodge city and, and all these teams, um, throughout that league. And, um, obviously coach Brown was a character. I don't, I don't, I'm not getting coach Brown vibes from you. And so I think uh, your guys' philosophies are a little different, but talk a little bit about your time in the Jayhawk and you're laughing. So I assume you watched the, watched the oh, documentary yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Jayhawks a great league, historic league in junior college. 
uh, had a great season last year with Coffeyville, uh, two years ago with Coffeyville and Cali playing for the national championship. Um, but you talk about kind of a culture shock in some ways, uh, you know, Western Kansas is unlike Iowa in all aspects. It's unlike Eastern Nebraska, you know, I'm a city boy in Italy, like, you know, um, you know, we got two, there's two huge packing or feed lots in Dodge. 25% of the country's beef runs through Dodge City. So, you know, if the wind blows out of the east, boy, you're in trouble. You know, but the local city <laughs> smells like money. You know, that's what they say down there. So I saw my first tumbleweeds down there. Like that was actual real things, you know, just not on cartoons. So uh, it was a great, great experience. At the time, there's so many good veteran coaches in that league. Jay Herkelman, who's still there at Coffeyville, who's an Iowa guy from Clinton. Um, and Steve Eck, who's a Hall of Famer, at, who was at Hutch. And um, some some personalities were in that league, too. Just, just Juco lifers were there. And, and the basketball was so good. Like, just the, the overall athleticism uh, was off the charts. And, um, you know, but but it was true. You know, if you have in your mind what – you know, um, Juco, you know, is uh, tight budgets. You're taking vans and you're driving vans four and a half hours away. Coaches are driving it. It's 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 not a glamorous, you know, life at all. And, and you really have to love it uh, to be down there. But we had two first years uh, there. We were we were right around 500. Uh, and then my third year there, we played for region championship. Uh, against Hutch and lost, but you know, the, like Iowa, Kansas love their JUCO basketball, uh, it's, but it's it's different a little bit down there because because you're all in small towns. It's kind of the show, you know, in town. It's it's the source of entertainment, you know, in some of these towns. Like like what football was at Indy, um, people go there. You know, you get to see high level athletes and signing on to play Division One and. You know, each team had their own radio broadcast team that traveled with us to games. And it was, you know, coaches shows and uh, you kind of felt big time being down there in, in some ways. And um, Dodge City's felt like the Wild West a little bit. Uh, very blue collar town, home of gun smoke. So that was kind of the thing there. And um, but it was a great experience um, in a lot of ways. I learned a lot, uh, really learned how to to. First time, really, I was, I, I had to interact and learn how to um, relate to guys who were uh, from completely different backgrounds than me, right? Socioeconomic, um, from big towns out east that, you know, we didn't have a lot in common, you know, um, whether it be family or, or economic or anything, and learning how to interact and get those guys to trust you was probably the most valuable thing I learned. And, you know, regardless of background, kids are kids, same hope, same dreams. Um, and I think that's where I, I really learned and really fell in love with you go and how big of impact you can have on, on 18 year old kids. Um, because we got some guys who just, who came from nothing and you know trying to help them you know after your time in juco if they were just a little bit better of a person a little bit better of a student a little bit better of a basketball player uh, i felt like you know we, we did something there for that kid right and that was 
got to be really, really rewarding and almost more so than than the victories on the court is seeing personal growth from from the, from the athletes that really need JUCO. You know, um, they didn't get the test score out of high school. That's the only option for a number of different reasons. And um, I learned more about relationships coaching down there um, than any anything X's and O's related. Um, and I, I think that's been really valuable for me as I moved on to a head coach and, and being able to um, get where kids come from and be able to draw on past experiences with some former players uh, down there at Dodge City. Yeah, and admittedly, Adam and I were talking a little bit before we jumped on, um, you know, not knowing a ton about you, your your past or your story. Um, you know, we just already jumped to a conclusion. We said, well, we know he can recruit because he's at the JUCO level. He's been at the JUCO level for a while. He can relate to kids. He can understand where they're coming from. Um, and so that all makes sense. As you're going through, you're, you're essentially connecting the dots for us um, in what that we, the preconceived um consumptions that we had as, as far as you and, and your story and that's really cool and like you said that I mean it it's a blessing and a curse of being at that JUCO level I mean you're reloading you got new kids in all the time um, but you you do have such a platform to make a huge impact on these kids lives um, and make a difference both on and off the court give kids opportunities and then just keep them coming just keep them coming keep changing lives keep making a difference and so that's so that's great love to hear that from you coach um so you're telling me then the the oats and um everything going to to cedar rapids is nothing nothing after being in dodge city huh you'll you'll take uh you'll you'll, you'll take some cheerios smell uh over that beef smell any day huh it's 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 not even comparable fellas. <laughs> not even comparable yeah it's uh <laughs> unique I'll, I'll tell you that you know but a lot of fond memories in dodge it's where where we got married where i had the first kid um a lot of good a lot of nostalgia associated with that place and um you know we left and then my family obviously loved the joke you know we truly got the heck out of dodge you know like literally <laughs> you know when we left but <clears throat> excuse excuse me we had you know i dodge so i had a lot, a lot of other experiences like i was an adjunct faculty member a couple classes there. I acted as an academic counselor uh, at SWIC. I forgot to mention I, I had four different titles there. I was assistant men's basketball, adjunct faculty, assistant housing, and head golf coach uh, for like two months. So all just piecemealed, you know, together. So I did end up actually teaching a little bit, just not at the high school, high school level. So spent four years in Dodge. Um, and then uh got offered a job at Northwest Kansas Tech in Goodland, Kansas, which is right on I-70, about 15 miles from Colorado border. Okay. Uh, well, they're in region six, uh, but not a part of the Jayhawk conference. Uh, so uh, got offered a job there. Uh, we were having, um, having, I think, um, we might've been, ex I know we weren't expecting number two yet, but uh, it was somewhat significant pay bump, so uh, so we thought about it. But I was I was full time faculty there too, uh, um, so we we took it and I taught business classes and sports management, which was what my what my master's was in, and, and then coach basketball there for two years. And um, it was a great experience. We have a lot of friends still there there in Goodland uh, that we still keep in contact with. But Jeremy Johnston was my former boss there. Uh, he's now the assistant at Metro State in Denver and the RMAC. So uh, just guess hung out with them at the Final Four 
had been about a year and a half since we saw each other. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, going back, you said like advice to young coaches too, like in Dodge, um, you know, when, when you have a young family and you're six hours from home, you're six hours from a support system, figuring out things on your own. And, you know, it's not like you can just dump your kid off at grandma, at grandparents and go out for a date night. You know, it, it was, it's, everything's harder, you know? So, so anybody's listening to this, you know, having a family and having to live on your own away from a support system is, is difficult. It's hard on your wife. You know, it, it's, it's hard on a relationship in some ways. And um, there's going to be some point, I think, in every coach's career where you're going to question, is it worth it? You know, is you're not making a lot of money, you know, you might be struggling a little bit financially or, you, you know, you're at a certain age and you're like, wow, I didn't expect my bank account to look like this, you know, and there's going to come a point we're going to question and have doubts of, is this really, you know, the route for me? And I, I, I experienced that in Dodge. Um, and I, I had a, a, a coach who was a lot older than me tell me that that's going to happen twice in your career where you're going to doubt, like, should I really do this? And the first time kind of happened it, as it leaving Omaha when I couldn't find a job for like four months and, and wondering, ah, is this for me? And then second time was in Dodge um, and then fought through it and um, going to Northwest Tech is one of the best moves I made. Um, Jeremy and, and I are, are really close friends. We talk almost weekly and had a great experience. And, and then from there, uh, got my first opportunity as a head coach at Rock Valley in Illinois. So um, made the 12-hour move out there and got working on being a head coach, which was nice, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's quite the transition. Adam's going to jump in on Rock Valley here in just a minute. But uh, so at Dodge City, were you – so you you were part of housing. So were you living on campus then, or how, do, how were you doing that? Not at Dodge. So I was at SWIC. Okay. At, so, at SWIC, okay. I was part of housing. So, yeah, so I was um, – I was – initially off campus and then a person moved out and then I got on campus. Um, but it's funny, if you remember uh, 10 years ago, they had the tornado that went through Creston. Yep. So uh, we came home from a golf tournament that day and I knew it was kind of supposed to be bad weather. And I was the only full-time housing person on duty that weekend. And, you know, I'm kind of watching the weather and it's like, you know, I, I know like, Hey, if it gets bad, I, I know where the kids got to go. We had two dorms where the lowest level, the hallway locked, and that's kind of was a shelter. But I was in this double wide L-shaped uh, like trailer with the baseball guys. <laughs> and um, I'm kind of looking out and, and and all of a sudden like my stomach drops, like, like you go down like a roller coaster. And I thought, you know, I said, I said a couple of things I can't repeat on this podcast, but like, I just, it's too late. Right. So I'm yelling, we're, we're, we're in the hallway, ducking, and the tornado goes through campus. And it, it ripped off the roof of my apartment bedroom, um, actually. And there's two by fours through the walls of the nicer dorms that had like cement walls. Uh, it was like an F2. So uh, I was supposed to move to Dodge City later that week. You know, I had my U-Haul all rented and I had like this 15 foot truck and I needed like a five foot truck because like I lost <laughs> most of my stuff in the tornado, like. I threw all my bed. I threw all my couch. My TV was busted. I, I had nothing but some clothes that survived. So yeah, that was crazy. That was nuts. That's wild. And so you, your wife obviously wasn't with you yet. I mean, you're still just no. a single guy. You had 
which is good. Um, and to your point too, in your message, which I agree with hundred uh, percent, having your first kid will do that. will put you through that thought process ringer too, of being like, <laughs> okay, what am I doing? And then I think like kids and like in the career, you, the further you get down the road. And like you said, now you're, you're coming up on four. You're like, dad, just, just keep it coming. Like we've got this figured <laughs> out. And if we don't, we'll figure it out along the way. Yeah, it's tough. Like in Kansas, too, um, we had, um, when I was at Dodge, we had scholarship restrictions. So we had to have a certain number of Kansas kids on our roster. So in-state recruiting was huge. And, you know, I was out every Tuesday, Friday night, you know, all over the state of Kansas, driving to Topeka four hours away or, or Wichita, you know, going about back and forth to Wichita was two and a half hour drive. And, you know, that was like a down the street trip. Eventually, I could just make it in my sleep. I made it so much. But um yeah, Kansas feels like home, like in a weird way. Kansas feels like home to us um, in some ways more than Kansas. We had two kids there. Um, a lot of life experience happened in Kansas. A lot of fun memories in that state. So, um, Yeah, so um, I think I know the answer as to why move from Dodge to Northwest. It sounded like a pretty significant pay bump. But what was the... Um, uh, when you, when you moved from Northwest out to Rock Valley, was that, uh, were you looking for something new? Did that kind of just land in your lap? How did that work? And then what was the thought process of that? Was it a head job and this is what I need to do? Or was there some, you know, other aspects that you had to consider with that? Yeah. Like, you know, I think, um, at the time we were content in Goodland. Uh, we bought a house. Uh, I, I liked who I worked for. Um, I, I was in charge of, of the offense and I had, I had a lot of freedom given to me as an assistant and really enjoyed, enjoyed it. And, but like personally, you know, professionally, it, it was kind of like, okay, if I'm going to keep doing this, you know, I'm not going to be a, a, a Juco assistant in, in my thirties, you know, too much longer. It's either a Juco head coach or, you know, a division one assistant, you know, it was always, you know, the goal. I had a couple opportunities and, and it didn't happen, but the Juco head coach presented itself first. And so how Rock Valley happened. Um, so when I was at SWIC, the assistant softball coach, Darren Monroe, uh, who's a Northeast Iowa guy, uh, worked there. Uh, we both worked in housing, both hung out quite a bit. Um, he was the Rock Valley softball coach. Um, he, he's right now, he's won like seven national championships in a row. Like he's, on the NJs, did you go board of regions? He's big time, big time right now. But at the time he was just, you know, we were just bumming in, in, in dorm rooms, you know? Um, so he was there and, uh, he helped me, uh, you know, I apply, he said, Hey, it's a great opportunity, great tradition there. They just won a national championship, uh, two years prior. Uh, I think you should apply. And I had been there previously, I'd swung through on like a recruiting trip to Chicago. So I, I, I was, I'd seen the gym, seen the facilities and I said, okay, and I'll do it. Uh, you know, flew out there for an interview. Didn't get the job initially. Uh, they, they chose someone else. Um, and that person kind of had a change of mind uh, like five days into it. And then I got another call, uh, you know, little, little, uh, little, I had to get over some, some, some Eagle there a little bit. And, and um, it was a 12 hour move. Uh, we had just, we were in the hospital with our second talking about whether or not we wanted to do this. 
um, like true coaches, like couple story there. And, you know, we decided ultimately that it was, it was the best thing, you know, for us career wise. So uh, I accepted it. We get home. Uh, we had, we had a somewhat of a hard pregnancy. So we actually had delivered in Denver uh, just because the hospital in town wasn't necessarily equipped to, to handle uh, what we could potentially have would again life flight and we just went to Denver and had it so we got back I think on a Wednesday I get in the car on Thursday and I drive to Illinois to sign everything make it official do the whole deal and um, I drive 12 hours there do my thing two days like day and a half later I drive 12 hours back you know, tying up, tying up loose ends, doing all this. And it was a whirlwind. So um, I think I was, I was back in Kansas for like 10 days before I, I moved out to Rockford kind of for good. And, um, you know, fortunately my son doesn't remember me not being around, but unfortunately my wife remembers me not being around for like first, first two months of our son's life. Cause I was in Illinois um, but, uh, you know, it, it was a great move for us. Uh, got to be back with some old friends, great department and, um, fortunate enough too, at the time, um, I, I didn't have my assistant spot didn't pay much. It was a stipend spot, just pennies almost. So I coached uh, my first year at Dodge, uh, coached a guy, Tyler Francis, who was from Manhattan. Just in-state Kansas kid, tough, undersized, just kind of what you want, you know, from from that in-state roster. And he had just finished up his day at Wichita State and, and had, I think, just maybe verbally accepted um, a job with Sunrise Academy, the, the really good prep down there in Wichita. And I called him up and we had gotten to be really good friends after he left Dodge. You know, when I, when I recruited Wichita, we would, you know, go you hang out and if I stayed overnight I'd go crash on his couch and whatnot and so we were, we were pretty close and uh, I said hey you want to you want to do a job you'll be my assistant he said yeah and he lived in my basement you know for for that season and and uh still is still with me at Kirkwood so um we had a, we had some a lot of success right away and it might have been a little dumb luck um but but we played for a national championship my one year there at Rock Valley. Came up short. We had the worst five minute drought um, that we could be because it was the last five minutes of the game. We led the entire way and uh, and came up a little short. Had a great year. Had a, a great group of kids there, and um, we really liked Rockford. Has kind of a rough kind of a rough town. Had some has kind of a bad reputation in some ways, um, but we enjoyed it and, and loved the people there and and yeah again like uh, like swick i was just there i wasn't even, we weren't even there for a year it, we uh we thought we would be there for a while um bought a house and all that stuff and and uh and um kirkwood the job opened and i was like ah just it's like two days before it closed. I was just stuff. like not not really thinking it was anything was going to happen and like 10 days later i was the head coach at kirkwood so um, <laughs> So and then, um, then had to turn around and try to sell a house that you just bought. Like, you know, I was I was actually just gonna say I'm excited to hear uh, what kind of life event happened from 
from Rock Valley to Kirkwood because we got a tornado and then we got uh, you having your second child pretty much the day you accept the job. But um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to that soon. What was uh, kind of a, you know, hit, hit you in the face moment of you moving from assistant to head? Um, you know, if that was one, if that was two things that, you know, hey, I, I'm the head coach now. Um, and this, this just, I mean, proves it. I think the thing that you're not ready for at some point when you're assistant, like you're, you're ready to be a head coach, right? Like you, you think like a head coach or you think like, okay, well, if I'm his spot, I'm going to do this. And, but you're not ready for how many small decisions you have to make on a day-to-day basis that you didn't know your boss had to make. Like to the point of like, I'm tired of making decisions, you know, like (laughs) that, that's, that was the point that or what really hit me in the face was it's on me now. And, you know, I slept great as an assistant. Like I, I oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> doesn't go on my record, you know, right. but now it's the, the pressure one of being at a, at a program like Rock Valley, your first head job where there's expectations. Um, you know, there's media at your games, you're getting interviewed on TV uh, there's a, they expect, you know, wins and, you know, what you want, right? Like you want to coach at programs like that. You want to play in programs like that. So, um, that, and, and then just, again, just the, the heaviness that weighs on you of the results after the, right. And always questioning, are we prepared enough? And that, that anxiety that you have kind of up until maybe the first half and like, okay, okay, we are, you know, we're, we're prepared. We're, we're good. Um, that those two things, just the anxiety of, of, I don't want to say second guessing yourself, but just question like, have we done enough leading up to this? You know? Um, and then I, like, I lost, we lost our first game. My first game as a coach, we lost Brian Stratton and then, you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, just, this is, it's, it's hard. You learn how hard it is to win college basketball games at any level, how difficult it is. Um, but we had a good group of kids. We had some blue collar kids that, that were really fun to coach that bought into that pack line defense. And, and um, we were not talented offensively, but we got after it on the defensive end and loved that group. Um, still talk to a lot of them to this day. So um, it was great, you know, and, and then just, every year um, just trying to be better, a better version of yourself, right? You learn so much that first year as being a head coach, you really learn like more of what not you're going to do when you're two, right? What didn't work or like, man, that was a stupid idea. Like, why did I do that? And um, so I, 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 you know, again, my, my, my buddy, uh, when I got hired, the, the then AD, who was the women's coach, she got a division one head job. He went this job straight. So my buddy slid into the AD spot, which was both great and bad because, you know, my AD is one of my best buddies and he can, you know, he'll just let me, you know, he's one at the time, like five national championships in a row. You know, he's just, just knows how to get under my skin with some things, but also get his point across. And, and, and Darren, uh, I was fortunate to work for Darren. He's, he, he taught me a lot too. And, um, but yeah, just just the decision making, decision making process. 
I'll, I'll say too, there's, there always comes a moment as, as a head coach um, where you have that feeling of, cause you wear so many hats and you have so many other responsibilities. It's like, you know what, it's kind of be cool to be an assistant coach and just coach basketball again, <laughs> you know, as opposed to have to worry about all the other stuff that you don't kind of think of it. You kind of sometimes find yourself getting too far away from the game. Um, it's like, man, I just want to go and I just want to just really be involved in coach practice and not worry about what we have to do or what I have to do afterwards. And so that's always one of the things that like you would think, you know, even being involved in the game for as long as you have, or it's like, yeah, you know, every once in a while, just having that to worry about and worrying about players getting better would be kind of nice, but uh, comes with the territory. And, and as you progress the head job, you, the further you move up the ladder, the more responsibilities you have. Yep. There's no doubt. Um, so Rock Valley to Kirkwood, um, assuming that, uh, Wags just smooshed you into that job and it was, uh, it was a, uh, a for sure thing. Um, but how did that transition go? You know, it sounds like it was just kind of, um, you up, up, applying actually maybe even on a whim and it, and it just kind of happened. So, yeah, it, it, it really was like, I, I had really, I didn't even, you know, I was at a place finally in your career where you're content. And you're happy and that's such a good place to be at because for so long as an assistant especially a young assistant you're always searching for that better job and it can be so exhausting and really mess with you mentally you know especially if you start comparing yourself to other guys that you know um and and that's one of the most worst things that a, a coach can do is comparing your journey to somebody else's so i was fortunate with kirkwood so when I was at Dodge, I worked for Kyle Campbell. Kyle Campbell uh, was an assistant at Coffeyville for Herkelman. So I knew Jay uh, through Kyle. So obviously Herc and Wags grew up together in Clinton. Uh, they know each other. Um, and so I was uh, in a weird way, somewhat in that circle. Um, and, and, you know, I know, uh, you know, Coach Herc and I, Coach Campbell both said good things about me and, and Coach Wags and I had really good conversations on the phone. Um, I, we felt like, you know, our philosophies aligned in a lot of ways. And um, I remember getting that phone call and, you know, I'm, I'm the type of guy when I go, like, I don't, I always expect for the worst, like, just so I'm not like let down, you know, like, and then when you get it, like, oh, all right you know yeah let you know in like 36 hours and and then it's like the most stressful 36 hours of your life you know with, right, with right. your significant other talking pros and cons and this and that and you know again ultimately decided um gave us an opportunity to get back closer to home um you know you, we can get back get back to Omaha in under four hours um you know you're, you're moving up to a level uh where you're coaching some really really good talent uh, at a place that you know, is like Rock Valley. It was kind of at the top of its division. Uh, you know, Coach Petey had just won a national championship. Um, and great town, great facilities, great campus, well-funded, well-supported. Uh, you know, it was a no-brainer. Like, you, you, you couldn't say no. But we accepted, and, and it loved every minute of it. And, again, like the only the only – drawback is just being surrounded by Hawkeye fans and I have nothing back to them. You know, like, like that's the only negative thing, you know, about it. So 
Um, rough, rough couple of years to be a Husker fan in Hawkeye country. Yeah, that's for sure. They don't, they don't let me forget that either. <laughs> Um, well, hey, so, uh, uh, so my younger brother played for WAGS and seems kind of like just a guy that's, you know, kind of always just in it. Right. Uh, as at least as a coach, um, I guess a couple questions here, how does your relationship with him, how, how does he help you, um, as a coach, if at all? Um, and then, you know, if he does help you, you know, what, what is that relationship like? Is, you know, is he, is he somebody you can go to and ask questions to, or you have gone to, um, what, what, what does that relationship look like? It's a really good relationship. And I'll say this about Wags, you know, being a former ball coach, he, he is not a micromanager at all. Um, if I didn't, you know, come and ask him, he'd be fine. He he would let me do it, but I would be stupid to not ask him. I mean, you have, you have a future hall of famer as your boss, you know, a guy who um, has had so much success at that program and invested so much of his life, you know, into it. And he, he has always said, Hey, you know, I'm here if you want me to. And, and, you know, I, I really consider WAGS um, to be, you know, kind of that current mentor for me. And, I can go to him uh, if I have questions. Um, he always seems to be, you know, really good at, at making you think about something that he wants you to think about, but not having you realize that he wants you to think about it, you know? Um, and, you know, we, him and I had some, some such good, just informal conversations last year. Um, just about, like coaching philosophy and you know I, I think that's 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 one of the hard things too when you get to be a head coach is defining who you are and, and what you want your program to look like um, because you know first two years you're, you're kind of just throwing stuff against the wall and see what sticks in some ways like you have an idea what you want to do offensively you have an idea what you want to do defensively and, and then it's you know what if that doesn't work then what you know, and he helped me just kind of really think through and be able to articulate, you know, what I wanted a, my program to look like. You know, if if someone asked my players, hey, you know, what is the basketball? Like, they should be able to say, hey, this is what we do. This is what we're about. Mm-hmm. And being able to work through that and being able to write it out you know, and have like almost like a mission statement, you know, what you want your program to be about was so helpful. And, and, and I'll share this with anybody that's listening. Like um, he, he, he talked about, you know, your program, think of it as a house, as a foundation and your four walls of your foundation. And what are those four walls about? And you know, it, it took me a while to think about that because it's kind of some, it, it's a little bit of a big picture, um, somewhat abstract in some ways, right? Because, you know, when you're coaching, it's so detail oriented. It's in the moment and to step back and kind of think big picture was was really eye-opening for me. But to answer your question, him and I have a really good relationship. Um, it's a little different um, around Thanksgiving week with Huskers Hawkeyes. Um, little, little, you know, maybe not talk as much, but 
<laughs> but uh, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, it's fantastic. And I've learned so much from him and um, in, in just at his approach and, and being able to take some little things from him and be able to use um, with it. But uh, he, he's so knowledgeable and, um, but he's not, you know, he, he's great. He's not going to give your his opinion unless he asks for it, you know, and that's, and that's a, that's a great AD too, you know, and, um, you know, some guys might be hesitant to take that job. Um, coming off PD's success, um, having a former basketball coach as your AD, like that's not something easy. It's not easy, but he makes it easy. So great relationship. I love working for him. Um, one of the best ADs at the business. I mean, his, like our other department success as since he's been AD is crazy. So, um, you know, he bleeds blue hundred uh, percent. Yeah. And I, I, I had always, as now started looking in, obviously my brother played for him. So I kind of had an inside track on there, but um, it always seemed like as, as hard as he seemed like he was on his players at times, number one, I felt like it was just cause he cared. And number two, I thought that if you were actually a coachable player, you would have no problem with him. And if you were not a coachable player, there, there might've been some issues because he just cared about getting better and getting you better. So um, it's great to hear that you, you two have, have, have that relationship because obviously talking to him a couple of times, just, just, just a great guy. Um, and uh, as you mentioned, a hall of famer just in the end. And that's, yeah. that, that's great to have that in your back pocket at least. Um, uh, well, I know we've, we've mentioned some crazy re- uh when you make these moves, some crazy things that were going on, but, you know, we failed to mention the pandemic when you were moving from your rock Valley to Kirkwood. So how did that, uh, um, you know, hinder any transition? What was, I mean, kind of different about that? Obviously there were some main, I mean, like differences, but what, what would that look or what has that looked like? What did that look like when you made the move? So the pandemic hit right after they know our first year at Kirkwood. So, um, there was no national tournament played that year. Um, and that hit, and um, that was, I mean, just a, a super strange time for everybody. And, you know, having to navigate so many layers, you know, administratively, personally, um, how to handle how your team felt regarding things. And, you know, it's such a wide array of feelings and emotions and thoughts. And, you know, luckily we had a very clear and uh, united front administratively on down through college. So um, well spelled out. Um, so we were, all of us were really on the same page of how we needed to operate. But you know, that, that off season recruiting wise, it was all done over Zoom. You know, we, we, we couldn't go out. We couldn't bring kids on campus. And uh, we, we lucky, luckily we, we go out like every Tuesday, Friday night, we're at high school games recruiting. So we knew who our targets were, um, but not being able to bring them on campus. Like, what's that look like? You know, that, that's our biggest sell at Kirkwood is getting to campus. And they're like, holy crap. Like you're telling me there's 8,000 kids here and the biggest time in the state and you have eyes 20 minutes away and, and all this. And you couldn't, you couldn't show that you can show our facilities and, how can we do that? And, um, you know, I've got two great assistants, Tyler Francis and Ryan Kirsch, and they're a lot smarter than me in a lot of ways. And, um, 
they kind of use their connections with some younger people who are in like administrative roles at division ones. Like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Well, we're doing these zoom tours, you know, and like, wow, that's a great idea. How can we do that? And, um, you know, our college admissions, we're kind of going through the same thing because I'm also a missions advisor part-time, um, well, really full-time. Um, uh, and, you know, they're struggling, like, how do we get students at Kirkwood when we can't even show them campus? And they put together a tour where they followed a camera around and they put it on YouTube. So we would show the YouTube video on Zoom and then we would have like our script written out and we would have stopping points just like we would in-person tour and we would talk about what we would talk about. That's where we recruited for five months, you know, and so much time on Zoom to the point like you're just, you're, you're, you're tired of it. And uh, it was so nice to get out of it, but then, you know, getting out of it and then having that COVID year where you recruited off of Zoom and you, you, you probably didn't as get as good, as good as evals as you would have liked on some guys. Um, we, uh, and then having to play, you know, with math or practice with masks on and social distancing and, and, and worried about getting shut down and all that stuff. Like, luckily, like we didn't have to test, you know, weekly. Uh, we just went off of symptoms. So thermometer checks and, and everything like that. So um, we got shut down around Thanksgiving and then right at the end of the season, we got shut down. So we, we made it kind of through that entire season and played, but it was, I'm luckily like so thankful we're, uh, you know, hopefully coming out of this thing all together, but it was a challenge for everybody. It just, you know, everything felt so out of your hands, you know, like if we get shut down, like there's nothing we can do about it, you know, like it is what it is. And, or if a team had to cancel on you and you don't, you don't get that many games in, like, you, you really had to, to roll with it. And Jugo coaches are great at rolling with it. Like, I think we're the kings of being able to handle um, anything that comes our way because we have to deal with so much. And we, we wear so many different hats. Um, and luckily, like, our commissioner, Tom McDonald, was unbelievable in leading our conference through it. And um, all of school's trainers were on the same page. And um, it was really cool to see all these schools come together to really make that season work in our league. And, um, but I don't want to ever go through it again. None of us do. That's for sure. I will say probably the one, and you probably will attest to this too. The one um, nice thing that came out of it was uh, all these high schools now pretty much have the ability to stream games. Um, so now, so now you can, you can, you can catch a night off and catch a few streams and, you know, obviously you still got to make those relationships, but if you want to check out a kid or just want to see how kids playing, um, it's a lot easier to pull up YouTube than it is to jump in the car for an hour. Um, and so that's definitely a good thing. Um, but let me ask you this with the challenges, you know, on all levels, everyone's dealing with it. And so it's, it's not really an excuse, but I'd like to know your take because, you know, recruiting is such a big part of what you guys do um, and how you guys are able to be successful and getting the kids in there. Um, then you throw in a COVID year, which then also adds another year 
um, you know, kind of throws a little bit of a bind. Um, I think it's slowly kind of working its way out, but with the COVID, uh, the additional year, how's that changed um, from a recruiting philosophy? Has it changed? Have you guys, is it, has it been an impact on, you know, getting an extra year out of a kid or two? Um, and what, what does that look like, I guess, for your targets um, and everything moving forward, um, adding that extra year in there? Yeah, I think it's affected, it's affected every program almost in the same way, regardless of level. Um, there's a, there's, there's this period of, of uncertainty about what they're going to do and whether if you're at a four year and whether they're going to transfer or, you know, at our level where they're going to get recruited. Um, you know, I think it's really hurt high school kids because the, the number of roster spots available is even more limited now. And with the portal coming into play, um, those guys want guys that have produced at the college level. They want college stats. So it's made it difficult because of COVID and then you add the portal onto it and it's exploded, I think, in probably ways that maybe people didn't necessarily anticipate at, at this quickly. So for us, you know, just having an open line of dialogue with your players and what they think and what they want to do. Um, you know, this upcoming year, we could have as many as five third-year players on our roster and um, luckily they're all great kids and I, and I, and I'd have them back in a heartbeat, but you know, you look at them and you're like, Hey, fellas, like you're, you're a junior, you know, like how you act, how you go about your business is needs to mimic that. And, and um, so it's, it's crazy in like, you know, last year, last year we only had one true freshman on our team. You know, and, and that's unheard of at the JUCO level, you know. Um, and, and this year, we, 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 we had some guys move on, but some of those guys were third-year guys, too. Um, and they exhausted the eligibility at our level. So, you know, I, I'm anxious for it to kind of – that ship to kind of get back normal, you know, here in about a year. Um, but but still, the, the, with how the portal's going, it's it's still going to hurt some guys' chances um, – at high school and maybe even a little, a little junior college uh, with trying to get on to the next level. So, you know, I think the biggest thing is just having an open dialogue with your players and, and being honest with them. And then, um, you know, hopefully they're honest with you, but that's, that's, you know, years long worth of work with, with, you know, with learning man, but yeah, um, absolutely. Certainly just a challenge in a lot of different ways. Well, and it's something too, that I mean, we've seen in our area from a lot of really good kids, uh, who in years past would, you know, have multiple options who are now very limited, um, you know, because rosters are full at the next level. And so it's it, like you said, it, I, it feels like we're getting maybe a little bit closer to sorting some of that out, um, but it'll never be like it, it was, you know, in addition to the portal um, and no. everything too. I mean, it's just, there's just, um, you know, and the level of play too. I just, I mean, obviously there are with the club ball and the growth of all that, we're starting to see that come full circle too. Um, there's just, I mean, it's not a bad thing. There's just a lot of really good players out there. Um, and there's only so many spots and uh, places they can go. And um, we're seeing that from the top down. I mean, there's a lot, obviously the NBA, there's only so many spots and uh, there's a lot of really, really good basketball players that never even make it. And so, mm -hmm. um, Coach, you talked earlier about kind of the four pillars and building the foundation, um, an identity for your program. Um, 
what would those be for you? What are, what, what are the kind of the four hooks that you guys try to hang your hat on that you try to build your program um, around um, as kind of a working goal each and every year? Yeah. So again, this is, this is, this is WAG's um, deal and, and I got to give credit to him for this. And uh, our fall wall, four walls, or you could say what your non-negotiables are, right. Of how we play is one is defense. And um, it's funny, like when you, if you'd ask my high school coach and he'd say defense is part of Sanquist's like, no, that's not how, what he was as a player. Like, you know, I, that was not, I was not interested in that aspect at all. Like I wanted to shoot, I wanted to get shots up. So, you know, for him to come and watch me, you know, get on our guys about getting a stance and, and all that stuff, it was kind of funny. Uh, rehashing that but but defense like that's that's what we've got to be known for uh our COVID year uh we led the uh one of the top teams in the country in in points per game allowed um this past year we we're one of the best teams in the conference in defense uh, point, uh, points per game allowed field goal percentage two point percentage so um just a, a almost a blue collar um gritty uh, whatever it takes type of attitude to get it done on that, on that end of the floor. And because the great thing about college is you can recruit skilled guys offensively that can, that can score it. And then you got to coach them up on defense. I guess what's one of the best things about being a college coach. So we're going to hang our hat on that and pack line principles. We're going to pressure the basketball. We're going to be in the gaps. We're going to contest shots. Um, we're going to rebound the first miss. So uh, that's kind of what we talk about. And so defense, number one, and then kind of unpacking that a little bit is I'm really big on contesting shots and I'm really big on keeping teams out of the paint. And those are two things that we stat after every game is what was our contest rate and how many paint touches did we allow? And we have certain benchmarks that we talk about as a team. And if we can meet those benchmarks um, nine times out of 10, we're going to, we're going to win the game uh, unless there's a few games Few teams they're just banging on you know contested shots in their face and there's nothing you know what can you do um at that point but those two things defensively you know we, we preach and we work on and we emphasize uh and then number two uh we run uh, it's a staple of how we play uh, we run on offense we run on defense uh and practicing that uh getting in shape to do that you know is big is what september is for uh, and then incorporating that in your drills is, is big. And it's it's kind of a joke. Like, you know, it's funny how guys, you know, run downhill on offense, but it seems like they're running uphill, you know, on defense and trying to make sure that that plane is 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 level. And it's the, the equal sprint, way, you know. Is that, was, that was exactly me, coach. That's all. You're, you're talking <laughs> about the shooter touch right there. <laughs> so, uh you know, teaching that, right? The importance of transition defense and the importance of sprinting on offense and getting corners filled and rim running and, and working on that. And third uh, is is rebound. Um, you know, it's great to contest shots and it's great to uh, keep teams out of the paint, but if you can't get the board, you know, the, the, ball, the ball, it's no good. So rebounding, flooding the glass, rebounding down, uh, it, it, gang rebounding are all kind of terms that we use with that. And well, I, I'm pretty traditional in how we play. Uh, we play two traditional forwards. You know, we were six nine, six eight um, at the starting four and five this year. 
um, and we ate up the glass and we had games where we, we doubled teams rebounds. Uh, and that was again, just working on it in drills, but then, um, emphasizing it like, you know, when you get in January and February, the last thing sometimes you want to do is do rebounding drills, right? Just the worry of getting hurt. And we were pretty banged up all year. Um, but I think, um, you can emphasize it instead of like scoring a drill in a normal points. Hey, we're going to keep track of rebounds. All rebounds are worth two points. D rebounds are worth one. And just getting that mindset changed, you know, a little bit uh, was key for us. And, and then two, some drills like half court drill, we said, hey, we're rebounding through the make. So even if you make a shot, you can get the offensive rebound and keep playing. And then just emphasize just little tweaks, you know, changing mindsets, I think really, really helped our team out a lot this year. Um, uh, and then last is just effort, you know, being an everyday type of guy. Uh, in all aspects, in the classroom, on the court, in the training room, in film, um, in teaching that. Because, you know, some guys have to learn that. You know, uh, not everybody everybody comes from, from high school programs that preach that. So those four, those four pillars. And the great thing about that then, guys, is if you're about those things, you have to practice those things daily, right? Because um, you can say, yeah, we're about this. But if you don't practice it, you're not really about it. So having that defined, again, Coach Wags here, you can go back to your practice plans then and say, if I'm really about those four things, is that in my practice plan? And it, it, it kind of helps hold you accountable as a head coach to make sure, am I touching these four things daily? Because if you want to be good at those four things, you've got to work on them. And um, I think that really helped our team this year. Um, you know, being able to have the success that we did. What's your, um, how, what do you teach on contests for shots? Are, are you two hands high? Are you chasing them off the spot? Like what's, what, how, how do you guys like to treat the contest? We treat it by uh, scout specific. So if we have a shooter, we're going to close, uh, we're going to close long, take the shot away. I, I, I don't want to, I haven't fully embraced flying at shooters and run them off the line uh, quite yet. I might be down that road right now. I don't know. I might be a year or two away. Um, but certainly going to at least get one hand up. You know, I'm not not necessarily a two hands guy. I, I, I just get a hand up. Get two, that's great. If you get one, that's, that's fine. Um, but it's got to be up and contest. You know, if we get a hand out and you right, and if Adam rises up, you know, and shoots it over me, but I don't get my hand up. That's not a contest for us. Like you're there. That's great. But then where's that effort come in? Right. That just those winning type of plays. So when we go back and watch it's a little subjective in some ways about what a contest is, but you know, not to the point where it's going to super, you know, skew our numbers, you know, really, but just the, the effort's got to be there. So, and then if it's a driver, you know, we're going to close short, you know, keep it in front, in front, uh, and then if he's a player, if you can do both, you know, then uh, you got to be able to do both. Right. You, know, you got to be able to take a shot away. You got to be able to keep him in front, slide your feet. So, no, that's good. That's interesting. Yeah, I, um, I love it. I also love the fact that um, it, I feel like most of us are this way, where it's like as a player, you're so offensive minded, but as a coach, there's something that just kind of gets you going on the defensive end. Um, and like you said, at your level, it's completely different because you can go out and you can recruit a shooter or two, and now you just have to teach them how to play 
defense and how to help them out on that side. Whereas uh, if they get to you and um, the, the offensive skill is not there, you might not have enough time to, to get yeah. that taught, you know? I think you can, con- I think your defense, you can control your defense more so some than you control your offense, right? Especially on the road. You know, it's not a guarantee as players. We all thought, yeah, I'm going to that shot's going in. Yeah. But you know, like it, it's not going to, it's not going to some nights and, and your defense can travel. Yep. Your energy and effort can travel. It's, it's not a guarantee your shot. Your shots aren't going to go in every single night. It's not. Right. So what else are you doing then to make sure that you're going to be in games? And, and to me, it's, it's, it's defense, you know, yep. like Mike Holmes, it's, it's defense keeps you in games. It, defense wins you championships. Well, and I, well, and I think too, with the pack line, it allows you, I mean, it's a percentage game of, you know, we're taking away, like you said, paint touches and layups. And that means that they're going to have to shoot the ball well um, to be able to beat us. Um, you know, and as long as we don't give them a second chance opportunity and we're rebounding the basketball, they're going to have to just play really well. And if we get beat doing what we wanted to, we shake their hands and we say, well, we'll get you the next time. Uh, and so I like that. Uh one more here, Coach, and we get you going here. I love this. I love uh, getting in the weeds here a little bit with you. But from uh, a young coach comes to you and says, you know, maybe maybe one of your staff members is like, hey, Coach, I'm, I think I'm ready. Uh, I, I want to take the next step. Um, what is it that I need to do? What should I start thinking about? What would be your advice to somebody on your staff that's um, looking to make a change or possibly get up into the first chair? Yeah, well, one, I absolutely want to help them do that. And um you know, because I was in that seat one time, and I, I think everybody appreciates um, a boss um, helping them achieve their goals and not maybe hold them back because they want to selfishly hang on to a really good assistant. So, you know, one is define who you are, you know, think about your four walls, think about what you want uh, a program to look like. Don't model it after what I do. You know, as an assistant coach, like sometimes the what you learn the most from your boss is what you don't want to do. You know, right? And sometimes, but that's the most some sometimes the most valuable things that you can learn in some ways. And because uh, you because you're not like your boss, nobody's like your boss personality wise. So like you shouldn't try to emulate what other people have done. You, you got to stay true to yourself and your personality. And um, so I would just encourage them, um, you know, have a really good clean resume, right? Like uh, have somebody look it over uh, and, and then be able to have some pages put together that define what your philosophy is and to uh, spend some time and thought and to think that through. Uh, so when you get asked that question, you're just like, uh, well, we're going to run and we're going to, you know, shoot a bunch of threes and all, you know, like, <laughs> Take a lot of shots. yeah. You know, uh, you got to have some specifics laid out. And, um, you know, I think. Um, how, how big is a network? I mean, you talked about it. Um, obviously, the coaching community, there's so many jobs out there and so many different levels and opportunities. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, 
um, it always fascinates me how small it is because, I mean, you even mentioned it too. Yeah, well, he knew he, they grew up together. And next thing you know, it's like, you know, like with the WAG situation, never met the guy, but because you're in the circle, now all of a sudden it's like the first conversation feels like you're, you've been boys for, for years. Yeah, that, that's hard because like I, I don't come from like a great network. Like I wasn't a great player. I didn't, I didn't play anywhere. Um, you know, I worked for great guys, but it's not like, you know, they were super well-known or super famous or anything like that. So I, I think that's the toughest part too is, is when um, you don't, you know, come from a, a, a tree of sorts, you know, where the, those names just get you in on jobs and really having to grind and, and work. And, you know, if you really want to make it like, and you have to move, you, you don't move for the location. Like you move for the job and you're willing to live anywhere. You know, you're, you're, you're willing to, you know, have it smell a certain way when the wind blows out of the East, you know, and it's, that's what you got to do. You got to be willing to do that. And, you know, you see so many coaches now, like, Chris Beard, like you go look at where that dude's lived and coached. Like he, he, he didn't coach at the most glamorous places, but he stuck with it. And, you know, having a willingness to, um, you, you got to be willing to take a bad job to get a good job at, at some point too. Like you got to believe in yourself that I can do it and um, be willing to do that. I, I haven't had to do that yet. I've been really, really fortunate with the, the two head jobs I've had. Um, but I, I, but I think you can't be scared of failure either, you know, in, in some ways, right? You, you've got to have this inner confidence that the way I'm going to go about things is the right way right. and it's right. going to work out, right? So, um, you know, I, I think too, I my, sorry, both, to you. Both, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, go ahead. You know, you know, like I said, both my assistants, like they're both ready. Right. They're both ready to be head coaches. They're smart. Uh, they're young. They're like 28, 29. Uh, they're, they're in it for the right reasons. Um, um, but again, like, like for me, like it's hard to get jobs. It's hard. And, and how you conduct yourself uh, with, with other people in this business, uh, you got to make sure you got a good reputation. You know, um, that that goes a long ways because it precedes you and, and just making sure you network and, and it's hard. If, if that's not like your, your normal personality isn't super outgoing and, and mine by nature is not, it's hard to get yourself to like call up that guy and have a phone conversation because it might not be something you just, you know, want to do, but learning how to, um, make meaningful connections, relationships wise with, with other colleagues. I think you have to do because, like I said, you never know. You never know who's going to get a job or could hire you or could put in a good word for you. Well, I think too. That's what, and that's what I was going to say. Is like a, a network. It, it's, you know, it's one thing to be the guy who ends up knowing all the guys or whatever it is, but you're and has that ability to kind of make those conversations and connect really quickly to people. But I think part of that network is also getting those experiences and like you said showing your ability to you know maybe take a job a less desirable job and put the work in um that's as much as your network as your actual who's in your phone um it's you know going to be able to take this job work hard and 
you know, have everybody from the student assistant to the AD have good words to say about you, regardless of where it's at and do that three or four times. And you'll be amazed at the opportunities in which come about as, as opposed to, you know, sitting on a, sitting on a cushy job, um, you know, for several years and, and not ha being out and, you know, learning and finding those opportunities. It's amazing uh, how big of a difference that makes. If, like you said, if this is something you're committed to and you, you, you want to make a career of. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think, you know, if you're a young assistant, um, I was really worried about, you know, as an assistant, I think you should be worried about what people think of you and making sure that you're doing things the right way. When you can be a head coach, you know, you don't have to worry about that as much because people aren't going to like you anyways, you know, just that's, that's comes with it. Right. But just, um, you know, making sure that you, you treat people the right way, um, people in your league know that you're about the right stuff, right? Because if you want to get a job and move on, I think it's important to have a good relationship with coaching your league because you're probably going to want to recruit their kids at some point, you know? And, and if you're just a person that know, somebody doesn't like, like they're not going to help you out down the five, 10 years down the road. So just, just be a good human, treat people the way they deserve to be treated. And I think it's really going to work out for you in the end. You know, in this business where it's, it's not often like that, right? So- unfortunately. Well, that's great stuff, coach. That is really awesome stuff. Um, well, Hey, we, uh, end our episodes, uh, with a little section we call rapid fire. Um, well, Brian's going to ask you some really, really tough questions, um, about hoops and some not about hoops. And you just tell us what comes to the top of your head. Yeah. All right, coach. First one, um, usually an easy one, usually something that comes to mind pretty quickly, but favorite visiting gym or arena you've had the opportunity, um, to coach in Cali County Tigers down in Kansas. Interesting. What was what's special about it? Um, seating is all above you, so it's walled. Oh, cool. uh, three fourths of the way away with a stage on one end. So it's got this elevated seating, kind of almost an upper deck type of feel. Love They're it. on top of you, Hang baseball teams behind you. You love know, it. just, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I'm out here for that. Love that. Um, do you have a game day superstition or routine, something that you must do um, on game day? Yeah, unfortunately, drink a monster. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good. Get you, get you fired up. Um, must have had some success with that at some point. So you got to keep I try to go away from it this year and, and when we lost and like, I can't. No, can't do it. I might sacrifice a few things going inside to, to get a couple of wins. I love it. Um, favorite sports movie? Hoosiers and Sandlot. It's probably tied. Okay. I like it. Sandlot's a good one. Sandlot's, a good one. Sandlot's came up the last couple of times uh, on that question. Obviously, Hoosiers, <laughs> no brainer. Anybody on this podcast, that's what they're going to say. But um, all right, going all the way back, what was, what was the first ever job that you had? Paper route. Ooh, nice. That's always a good one. That's a good, that's a Me good too. play. How old? I'll never let my, I'll never let my kids do it because that means I'll have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Same, yeah. same happened with me, coach. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. I, we, it was funny. We were talking about that too. And it's like our, our childhood and like growing up, like you lived on your bike and it was, I was anywhere and everywhere. And as long as you're home by six o'clock, all is good. And I'm like, 
get, won't even let my kids go across the street hardly. Yeah. Like it's crazy how much it's changed. But uh, how old how old were you then on the paper route? You remember? Roughly. Probably uh, fifth through eighth grade. Oh wow, young! I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Um, so if we so if you had to choose, are um, you more a Husker or a Creighton basketball fan? uh basketball fan i, I am uh affectionately probably known in nebraska as a jasker those <laughs> those who uh love those kind huh? yeah and then root for husker football um i like both i i, I... creighton okay creighton. i yeah, like creighton. it just cut right to it um all right coach you're you're, you know, you're th- three years in now. And so, you know, the area, you know, the community. Well, Adam and I get an opportunity to come over, uh, Cedar Rapids taking a game. Uh, where do we got to go? Uh, either, either something just can't miss really good to eat. Uh, maybe grab a drink for the game or something close to campus that just really gets us in the, in the Eagle vibe. Um, where do we got to go when we come over? Good question. Um, We've been going to scores quite a bit here. Uh, new sports bar open. Um, but if you are a big fan of tornadoes for burgers down in Czech Village, uh, that's a great spot. Um, for brews, you know, I don't know what you guys are like. I'm more of a dive, a divey type of guy. So, yep. Um, probably shout out Quentin's Sports by Campus. Quentin's. Yeah. I like that. We can do that. Nice. That's good. We we got we got a running list. We might have to Adam. We might have to get that together and put it out at some point. We have so many good <laughs> good spots for people to go. Um, all right. So uh, we shooters touch is the name of the podcast for a lot of reasons. But what does it mean to you if uh, you know back in the day you had the shooters touch or one of your players catches catches fire and has the shooters touch? Uh, how would you describe it? What's what is the shooters touch? The best feeling in the world. So simple. Uh, yeah. all that needs to be said i love it nothing yeah. else like it it is you get <laughs> you get in that zone and it's uh get that shooter's touch and everything everything's going in so um all right coach last one uh what is your what is the best part about uh having the opportunity to be the head men's basketball coach uh there at kirkwood uh being a part of the long um uh, history and tradition of the great coaches and players that have come through that program. Um, that's the best part. I mean, there's five, five or there's six, six former Eagles, whether coaches or players that are uh, either D1 assistants, D1 head coaches, or D2 head coach. I think that's pretty, pretty unheard of at a, at a community from a community college. Right. But I think a lot of that is, is due to the um, um, longevity um, of people that have been a part of the program for so long. So it, it's truly a brotherhood in a lot of ways. It is. And it, uh, carries a lot of weight throughout the state, um, you know, from the basketball community for, for many decades now. And so, um, as we anticipate that to continue, um, we appreciate you, uh, taking some time coming on, sharing your story, chatting with us a little bit, giving us some insights some some really good nuggets for people to take away. We wish you the best of luck here moving forward. Now you guys are back at it, starting to prepare and get things ready. So, um, good luck with all that. Can't wait to see how things shake out and we'll obviously be following along this winter, um, with everything. And, uh, thanks again, coach. Thanks guys for having me on. It was 
lot of fun.